pencil in the apocalypse. I gotta get up at five o'clock in the morning and sparkle, Neely, sparkle. I know what some of your big city no bra wearing hairy legged women livers might say. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Maximum Film. It's episode 277, and look, we're in Christmas heaven. It's your host, Ify Wadiway, and in the booth with me are my friends. So let me introduce you to names. First up, we have, I think this is Maximum Power Christmas Zaddy right now. He is glowing. Like, you, if you've watched Akita, when 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 it's just in the big ball, but imagine that it's tinsel and, and ornaments and, <laughs> and garlic. And just just exploding out of the house, the, the Duralde household. Alonzo Duralde, what's good? Oh, yes, Ify. My uh, my Katamari ball is rolling upstairs. <laughs> that's that's my only video game metaphor for this. It's a good one. Uh, what's good for me is, I'll tell you, you know, I have lived in Los Angeles, well, 23 years this go-round, an aggregate of like 25 years now, and I'm always discovering new things I didn't know about. Turns out that by the 101 coffee shop, there is an actual monastery filled with actual nuns making actual baked goods. They make a pumpkin bread that is so good. They make amazing peanut brittle. They have a gift shop that is walk-in open one day a week. But you can also go to, I kid you not, monasterygoodies.com and order online whatever it is they're currently putting out. At the moment, I think it might just be the pumpkin bread. But man, it is some really good pumpkin bread made by Brides of Christ. Okay, the the the... <laughs> Every, I just had every emotion go across my face with that story. <laughs> you let, I had one with the discovery of a monastery within 10 minutes of where I live and was like, ooh, I, that gives me a lot of complicated feelings. And then you turned it to b- baked goods. I mean, just a wild ride. A wild yeah. ride. You didn't, you didn't know where we were going to end up where bread. it started. Also, yeah. that you can only go one day a week. My dad loves some peanut brittle. How, how do I talk these... Brides of Christ to get me some peanut brittle. <laughs> Pop in on a Saturday, see what they got. Ooh, Ooh yeah, no, okay. that's that sounds delicious. Uh, and look, that other voice you heard, we'll jump right into it. A super producer, festival programmer, and queen of the Midwest, uh, Drea Clark was good. Okay, I'm not done with the Lonzos yet because now also <laughs> I'm just going to imagine them as the Warrior Nuns. A great show that we've not talked about. Awesome action. But, um, uh, okay, so I really want to see the warrior nuns making peanut brittle, which would be good. What is good with me, and you guys are going to like this because it's very me and it's a ride and it's also not really a thing, but it's still good. And that is I found out, you guys know I'm obsessed with skincare and all things related to keeping me looking um, the, the, the prime 58 that I look right now. <laughs> Um, I'm nowhere near 58 years old and I will slap anyone that says that's what I look. (laughs) But I read something basically that was like, oh, you shouldn't use straws because they give you like the lines around your mouth. And it's because I saw some BuzzFeed article of like gifts to get for Christmas. And it was like these weird straws that had like, they look like lips and it keeps you from pursing when you use a straw. Basically, I discovered, oh, I do have a line. 
I will not <laughs> buy a stupid freaking straw so I don't get weird lines on my mouth. Basically, my vanity found an endpoint, and I feel really good about that. And it's, just it's like, nice to know that there is a boundary sometimes. Yes, like ah, oh, the comfort, comfort, and self actualization. Thank you, twenty twenty two realizations. I ha- currently have a straw. So now I feel like a real effing rebel using a straw. Straws being a no-go leads to questions that I cannot ask here without getting a memo from HR. But it just seems to me... (laughs) Also heard. Also heard. We're in trouble here. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now we got to be looking for the crease. And what's the product for that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but you could probably get it on monasterygoodies.com. Zing. Oh, wow. Well, you look, let's keep the good times rolling because I'm excited that we get to have another illustrious guest who's fun, exciting, the film and culture writer, Justin Kirkland. What's good? Yay! Yay! Welcome back! I'm Howdy so excited. I'm so excited to be here. I haven't told you guys, but I recently became a bride of Christ. Oh, yeah. How's your brittle? I don't think you're allowed to ask me how my brittle is. That's also an HR situation. (laughs) (laughs) No, quite the opposite. Yesterday, I had uh, the first latka of my entire life. I... which which sounds problematic, but I'm from East Tennessee, so like it was, it was a long way to get here. Uh, but it was absolutely incredible. I uh, met up with some friends, uh, found out that you can treat potatoes and onions the same way that you treat a bagel. Loaded up with all the all the fixings, so I'm high on latkes right now. What did you have on your latka? Did you so, do a savory, or did you put some applesauce on there? Well, I'm I'm a man of of taste, so I had both. Uh, I uh, I endorse both always. Yeah, hundred yes. percent. Had a little had a little creme fraiche. Uh, had some a uh, little salmon roe on top, and then salmon. Uh, threw a little bit of onion on there, and then finished with one with applesauce. So uh, yes, nice. I love it. I'm a man of taste and culture now. I hadn't yeah. been before, so look at me now. <laughs> and look, if you ever go home, I think you could have Dollywood's first knish cart. Hundred percent, Dollywood. Uh, Dollywood's not ready for. I think they call tater cakes. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, we can we can mesh those worlds. I'm looking forward to it. That's my next business venture. There you Love know, it. You've got to find that opening. Iffy, what's good? Oh man, oh, you know what's good with me is you know I don't I don't know who all is announcing this on air to the uh, Max Funners. But um, I got we got the annual Mojescas. Yeah, uh, we did. Woo! We got the annual Mojescas, baby. And I unwrapped and packed. And uh, yeah, I um, I, Emily's really been enjoying it because you know I when I had them last time, uh, my ex was not as excited and was not fighting. But now you know every every time we leave the house, we come in and we share a Mojesca. And we uh, go about what we're doing. Can, we can have some... tell tell the wider world what a Mojeska is. Should oh. they not get um, a Max Fun? Oh, holiday yes, gift. gift. It is like a. In <laughs> uh, uh, Marissa's very first box. Yeah, Yay. I thought of Marissa when my yeah. Mojeskas arrived. Um, Welcome. Yeah. It's like a soft caramel around a soft marshmallow, and mm. it's delicious. I remember <laughs> my favorite part was watching Emily bite into this, and she was like, "What? Where? Where is this from?" And I was like, "I don't know." She was like, "This feels southern." <laughs> and they're sure from enough, Kentucky. They're from Kentucky zone, and I was like, "Yep, you have a great taste bud to like know the region <laughs> of your treats." But yeah, so. 
I yeah, that's that's what I had right before I came down here. So that's what that, I got that post Majesca glow. They're um, so good. I yeah. wonder there was something about you. Yeah, like yeah, you know the yeah. post Majesca glow. Also, you know, uh, Kate um, Summerfield also taking care of my face mm-hmm. as well. Uh, you know, definitely going to use some uh, some hyaluronic acid. You know, we can <gasps> we can we can talk about this all Quit day. Quit flirting with me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, you know, now it's time to flirt with Alonzo because we're going to be ringing in some Hallmark history with the Holiday Sitter. Then we'll have a supersized holiday hotline segment. But first, it's time for Ididic, our movie news segment, where we ask the question, is this important? Do I care? And now you know what Ididic stands for. Why don't you kick us off, Drea? (laughs) All right. It has been a week of ups and downs for Mr. Henry Cavill. The actor probably most famous for playing Superman got the boot from that role. Even as DC movie czar James Gunn said that Superman was critical to his plans for the franchise. However, hot on the heels of that news came word that Cavill will star in and co-produce a movie and TV series based on Warhammer, the tabletop role-playing game of which Cavill is an avowed fan. Is this important, gents? Do you care? Uh, well, walk, walk us through it, if he. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so some of y'all are like Warhammer. What is a Warhammer? Just, just to say Warhammer. Uh, and I yeah. think it's very important to specify that this is Warhammer 40k and not uh, Warhammer. Oh, There's two different Warhammers, which are these tabletop war games. 40k is a super grim, dark, futuristic version, which is inspired. Things like StarCraft II, it's inspired Gears of War, mostly because of the huge suits and pauldrons and and gnarly looking space marines because there's different like factions and and like the way you paint your minis uh is very important because you have to paint it uh akin to the the army that you're in so like i do black templars because i want to do the black black templars uh so you know all black black templars uh you know because i love alliteration and a pun (laughs) So anyway, you don't paint them, you just dunk them. Is that the deal? So, yeah, yeah, I just dunk, I just dunk them all. But yeah, I want just... you to know, while you're speaking, I'm just picturing that meme of that girl at a concert who's just like <laughs> yelling something into the ear of the person next to her who has no way out. I was just reflecting on how iffy is the West Coast Stuart Wellington, but that's yeah. maybe too inside. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, yeah. Y- y'all missed it when we were comparing squat videos on Twitter. But, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, so, so like that. So Henry has this history of like having something nerdy. He does go viral, whether it was building a PC or painting Warhammer uh, minis. And now this has led into this um whole thing but i think it's just like it's just the usual uh what i what is turning into like a movie draft season because i'm sure they're going to try and make a franchise movie out of warhammer so he's hoping to be at the heels of that much like he did with the witcher but i i I feel like james gunn has been getting a lot of heat because he said superman's going to be it then they lose cavill and they're all blaming him because people forget that you know money a lot of times is a lot of the main reasons for a lot of these disputes but you know we, we can talk inside baseball, but I don't yeah. think it was just James Gunn saying no. <laughs> I don't think that is the yeah. reason that there was this falling out. Yes. A new Superman's going to be a lot cheaper than a Henry Cavill Superman. I'll say with the Warhammer part of it, 
that it makes sense is, of course, people like to build franchises out of anything, especially if this is IP that's sort of recognizable and has a, a massive, a, a huge amount of fans already. But I found the timing of this, especially since this is just him sort of mildly attaching to something that has no creative force behind it. There's not a producer. There's not a whatever. I was like, Oh, my guy just wanted a good news story. He's like, <laughs> he's right. He's out of The Witcher. He's out of Superman. And and I honestly am like, I guarantee the broccolis are like, well, can we afford him for Bond? Because there's no way they're not covering it if this dude is like, I would like a new franchise, please. <laughs> um, but th- to me, I was like, oh, no, this is a strong PR spin that's like in his wheelhouse positive. But also, if it never goes anywhere, what nobody's going to be like, sure, it's oh, about but the you new have cycle. that whole package ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, as long as that has armor that he can just sort of whip off and then cock his arms like in Mission Impossible, I'm <laughs> oh, here yeah. for all yes. of this. I, lo- I love a fist punch that loads my arms. <laughs> hey, speaking of movies, speaking of <laughs> cocking your arms, uh, we had uh, Donald Glover uh, who is producing and starring in a new Spider-Man movie. The superhero movies take it away and the superhero movies give it. Donald Glover will also be starring in and co-producing a new movie. And it's a Spider-Man movie. A while back, fans online were calling for Glover to play the titular Arachnitine, and this is close, but not quite. This movie is all about a Spider-Man villain called Hypno Hustler. Miles Murphy, or, or son of Eddie Murphy, is attached to write the script. Is this important? Do you care? Uh, I mean, you know. Hypno Hustler is the funniest name. I have never heard this. <laughs> I don't know if Justin or you have before, but I heard that and was like, Hypno Hustler sounds like a dude with roofies at a club. <laughs> I don't feel great about that. I'm wondering if that's the direction they'll go. In that I want to see whatever Donald Glover has up his sleeve. Yes, it's important, but uh, I don't, I, I don't also do not know the hypno hustler, but it seems to me like if we could somehow work this into finally putting Dazzler in a movie, it would be a perfect. <laughs> yeah. I, I think this is definitely one of those moves where it's like, what is the, where, what's the farthest outside of the Marvel superhero solar system that I can pick so I can have the most fun and creative control with it. I think this Hypno Hustler movie is going to be more of a comedy. It's probably going to be just kind of an offbeat. Uh, and, you know, I, 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 I too am like, hmm, let's see where this goes. So I avoided the Marvel, like, cinematic universe not avoided it just it we didn't cross paths up until this year and i watched all of them which is kind of bananas uh and my question is 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 he slated to play spider-man again because i know he voiced spider-man in the animated one which was like beloved but is is he going to be playing it again? Because honestly, maybe it's me taking it all in in a year. Maybe it was that last movie with like 86 Spider-Man over the course of like 40 years. But like, I don't, I don't know if I can like digest all of that again. <laughs> so he's starring in and co-producing. I don't he's know. If, playing but he's hypno playing Hypno Hustler, right? Oh, yeah. Wait. Yeah. So this is like a Venom thing where it's like it's in the Spider-Man universe, but and I'm saying a Venom thing as opposed to a Morbius thing because I don't want to jinx it. But but yeah, the idea that it's like it's a character within that universe of Sony-owned Spider-Man uh, IP, but doesn't necessarily mean that Spider-Man is going to figure in the film. 
I don't like that. He already voiced Spider-Man. This was like in high school when we did an all-white production of West Side Story and I wanted to play both Maria and Tony. Like, no, you don't, <laughs> you don't get to have all you? the parts. Like, no. Yeah. And the bad thing is, is I really had the range for Maria, but you know, that's a, that's a yeah. different episode, a different time. Yeah, I think that, you know, I think this is now Donald Glover finding his live action piece because... Essentially, the the voicing is just kind of the closing the loop because, you know, Miles Morales was created because Donald Glover said he wanted to create uh, to be Spider-Man and a bunch of racist nerds said he could never be Spider-Man. Spider-Man isn't black. So then Brian Michael Bendis went ahead and was like, OK, then I'm going to make a black Spider-Man. And then Miles Morales was created and is now slowly becoming cooler than Peter Parker, which is. Actually, a Not cooler hard. fate, uh, you know. Yeah, I, I, you know, like I like that. It was like, okay, we're gonna make the, the the a separate one, which like at the time I was like, all right, well, you know, the thing was to have a black Spider Man. This is a black Spider Man, you know. <laughs> and then and then like you know, into the Spider Verse comes out, and now people are like, Peter Parker, who <laughs> that door? No, we want Miles. So I honestly, now in retrospect, this was the better uh, one, where it's like, oh. Y'all, y'all want to be Miles now, huh? Because I was saying Donald Glover couldn't be Spider Man, but now y'all want to be Miles. Oh, yeah. It's like when Nicolas Cage voiced Superman in the Teen Titans Go to the Movies cartoon. It was just yeah. closing that loop, letting him do it finally, and then we can all get on with our lives. Uh, speaking of movies. Ah, this is cinema. After months of speculation, anticipation, and leaked set photos, Greta Gerwig's upcoming Barbie film got its first teaser trailer last week, and tease it did. Not much was revealed about the film's plot, but the trailer might have offered some insight into the tone of the film. It was a comedic homage to the Dawn of Man sequence from 2001 A Space Odyssey, but instead of a monolith, we get Barbie. Since the beginning of time, since the first little girl ever existed, there have been dolls. But the dolls were always and forever baby dolls. Until... Is this important? You care. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> you guys know I don't watch trailers, so I also did not watch this teaser because I just any blindness I can have going in, I'm excited. But please know that I had um, a decent sized back and forth with Ingu about this because <laughs> she sent me something about someone saying like Stanley Kubrick's rolling over in his grave. And I did not realize there was a 2001 element to the teaser. So I thought it was just someone commenting on what <laughs> you thought she was just dead. saying. He's yeah, rolling in like, his grave because of the existence like, Generally of, speaking. Yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe that's what he does in his grave. I don't know. I don't know how he'd respond to Greta Gerwig's work. Like, I was trying to find this outside. So it's very funny to me that it's toned to this. But I will say, the images that came out of it, I'm so excited for this movie. Please live up to what I want for you, Barbie. Well, I think, you know, Greta Gerwig and and her, you know, co-writer Noah Baumbach are obviously going into this with knowing that everybody is cocking an eyebrow and being like, a Barbie what? Made by whom? And so I, I think the entire movie exists to justify its own existence. And so yeah. I'm excited there's, to see how they do that. There's a lot of, she doesn't even go here about the Greta Gerwig <laughs> element with Barbie. So yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun twist. 
Yeah. The teaser did a lot for me because growing up in East Tennessee, like coming out was kind of complicated and my parents never quite understood it. And I sent them a text when the teaser came out and I said, Oppenheimer comes out on the same day as this movie. I'll be seeing both. That's what it means. <laughs> and they were like, great. But like, no, for, for it to be like 15 seconds, I feel like it was like, it was a sh- strangely impactful moment. You had Simu Lee doing this thing with his arms, like beam, boom, beam. And then like, I don't know. It was so little, but so much. Yeah. Simu Liu is in this. He's real hot. It's all uh, just hot people, isn't it? In, in the same wall. in the same way that like Matt Rogers totally zapruded the Star is Born trailer before that movie came out. <laughs> I suspect that gays are combing over every microsecond of this one. Every second. Well, you'll have to report back whatever happens at the next homosexual convention. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll save the minutes. Yeah, thank you. On that note, uh, and while Alonzo goes ahead and get those minutes together for Drea, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, we're cozying up to the holiday sitter. Oh, we'll be back in minutes was just sitting there. Iffy, come on. <laughs> You're better than this. <laughs> Maximum Film is supported in part by Masterclass. Explore lessons in any order you'd like across your phone, tablet, Apple TV, computer, and on the go with audio mode. In addition to video lessons, Masterclass classes provide you with downloadable lesson recaps and supplemental materials. Okay, you guys know I'm crazy for Masterclass. They were not going to use that as their tagline as much as I try. But um, I am someone dedicated to lifelong learning, and this is a good place to do it. I'm also someone who's trying to take over the world slowly, and this is where I'm getting the skills. Two courses I am planning to take in the next year. There is a man who is a former FBI lead hostage negotiator named Chris Voss, who's teaching communication skills and strategies. Uh, It's a course called Chris Voss teaches the art of negotiation. And if you think I'm not going to take that and master it and just blow you all away, it's like you've never met me. And then I'm going to balance it out with something a little more Zen. Um, and neuroscience professor Matthew Walker um, has a course called uh, Matthew Walker teaches the science of better sleep, which is in uh, 15 video lessons, how it works. Um, what is sleep? Preventing sleep debt, all of those things. So basically, watch out, because what I am accruing over here is going to be momentous. You can also take it in yourself on Masterclass. Yes, indeedy. Yes, indeedy. So check it out today. This holiday, give the perfect gift of an annual Masterclass membership and get one free. Go to masterclass.com slash maxfilm today. That's masterclass.com slash M-A-X F-I-L-M. Terms apply. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, Evie Wadiway. In the studio with me are... Drea Clark. Justin Kirkland. Alonzo Duralde. Today's film is a Hallmark Channel original that premiered earlier this month. It stars Jonathan Bennett and George Crissa as the leads in a holiday rom-com. You'll notice that Jonathan and George are both men, which is no big deal, except in this case. It is kind of a big deal. Let's have Alonzo elaborate with a brief synopsis of The Holiday Sitter. 
So Jonathan Bennett stars as a big city New Yorker. He's a, a you know he he manages finances for wealthy people. He doesn't have time for family. He's gonna go spend uh, Christmas in Hawaii, which is Hallmark Channel shorthand for "You are dead inside." Uh, but then at the last minute, he gets a call from his sister. The uh, he, she and her husband have to travel to uh, Buffalo because of the open adoption they're doing. The baby was due for New Year's, but oh no, it's coming right before Christmas. So uh, Bennett's character finds him having to deal with uh, a teen and a tween and you know the last time he sat for them he set the kitchen on fire so it's it's, it's a little skittish at first turns out living next door is the uh, flawless rescue stud gay contractor uh, Jason played by George Krissa he's great with kids and he comes over and helps out and basically uh, Jonathan Bennett hires him to help him co-gunkle so that he can do it right and wouldn't you know it uh, even though the city boy is trapped in the suburbs he finds himself falling in love with the guy who's good with tools how will it end who knows the holiday sitter real wild wild ride on wondering where it was going to end up never (laughs) knew Never yeah, it's knew. always guessing. Yeah, yeah. Are these two gonna end up? Is he ever gonna end up liking Christmas? And sure <laughs> enough, he does. But uh, but yeah, that actually brings us to the first question, which is you know the Hallmark Lifetime Holiday Movie. Uh, you know, uh, love to have everyone go through their familiarity with it, and if we believe it's its own genre, I do think it's important, especially here at the top of this conversation because I would not judge a Hallmark slash Lifetime slash any of these Christmas or whatever, anything in this rom-com made for television sphere, television-esque. Um, I wouldn't judge those against my other standards for films because they're trying to do something different. There's a different language. Visually, there's a whole different language. Like two seconds into this, I realized, oh, Jonathan Bennett wants to be John Ritter. And once I knew that, like it unlocked all of it, but you really do have to, to take it all under the filter of this genre of film. Cause I don't yeah. think it's fair to be like, even against a, a studio rom-com there, there's something slapsticky and larger than, and John Rittery. Like he literally <laughs> did double takes to himself. And, and, and if I'm trying to put it like, Oh, you know, I just didn't find his performance really grounded. Like what a bah humbug way to see these. So I, I do think I, I'm definitely not as familiar as some others who might be in this conversation. I have seen a decent amount of these and I, I am someone who finds them a really cozy, charming, element of this season of like oh isn't it nice on the weekends to to knock off one or two of these um but it does the more you see of them the more you learn that language and i was grateful to have that as a baseline i can i completely agree with that it's its own genre it's its own like situation but i think and i'm sure we'll get a bit more into this with this uh this piece of cinema that we're discussing uh but I think the more that you watch Hallmark movies, the more that you do learn that language and the more that you come to appreciate when they speak that language really well versus when they just kind of like stumble their way through it. And I will just like go ahead and give the teaser that Jonathan Bennett and his gigantic eyes that just like <laughs> respond to every emotion in different ways. Just like, 
Just like a big, I, I forget sometimes on podcasts, you can't see like the faces that I'm making. He just made looked, a great big eyed face. Yep. It was very it Disney princess. Like, <laughs> it looked like I was a sociopathic Disney princess. And uh, it, it works to different, it works to different effects. But I think it's important. I was talking to somebody yesterday about like the upcoming Oscar race. And they said when they went into everything everywhere all at once, like you have to make the agreement that like, this is going to go places that you don't normally go with film. And on the complete other side of that spectrum, I think the same applies to Hallmark movies. Like, you have to go in with an understanding mm. that, like, I'm going to appreciate this for what it is. And that's that's kind of the genre itself. Iffy, I know we made you watch one last year. How how deeply into these have you gotten? Yeah, have you yeah, watched I any like, since yeah, then? Yeah. I really didn't dip in uh, since then. You know, I, I'm not really into it. Uh, not that I'm not into it. I'm just like, it's not, you know. I'm not ingesting as much as the, our Christmas zaddy. But, you know, long time, uh, lifetime movie watcher by way of sitting there with my mom and grandma. So, you know, <laughs> definitely uh, definitely feel like I'm part of the community still. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm that uncle that shows up to the holiday events like, oh, man, you ain't been around as much, huh? Over there watching them Pacific Rims, huh? You, you ain't coming back to the, you know, you, that's our cousin, our very close cousin. So you, I know you don't think you're too good to hang out with the family. And I don't. <laughs> when, 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 when I'm on deck the Hallmark and we're talking about a, uh, one of these that we think is really great and really sort of like delivering what you want from one of these movies, uh, a compliment we will often use is borderline real movie. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 and I yes. think that the distinction is these are never going to be real movies in the sense of like, you know, the cinema, but, you know, they can get you to a place of satisfaction and of emotion and of entertainment that is very close to what that is. And, and even if it's not quite at the highest level, it, yeah, you, it is its own genre. genre. You do learn to sort of understand it at the level at which it is operating and will ideally deliver to you. Well, I, as you know, I like to look at everything of how is Stanley Kubrick reacting to this in his grave. <laughs> and so this was a real interesting film for that metric. Um, I'll say just like to get into it, the and this is actually no to like you set up, you have Jonathan Bennett, the very busy. Oh, I'm a work guy. I'm on phone. My best friend is a power lesbian. Like <laughs> he has like all of these things that I'm like, yes, yes, you do. Yep. That's all you got. I do double takes to myself. I just was like, oh, he's living my dream life. I'm not going to lie. I'm mostly that guy, except for uh, I forgot to get a flight to Hawaii. But, or a wet bar. Or a wet bar. His <laughs> house is amazing. But when he rolls in, I have a genuine question. So you meet the next door neighbor. Also my ideal life. You know, like the movie The Holiday, where Cameron Diaz has that enormous, a beautiful house in L.A. And then Kate Winslet has this super charming cottage in England. And I watched that movie and was like, those are both my dream homes. Like, get me both of those. I had that with the holiday sitter. I was like, ooh, I want Jonathan Bennett's fast-paced, child-free life. But I also would like, when I'm visiting any family members with children, to have a very competent and attractive gay man to help me with that. So it was like, oh, win-win. I'm super into this. But there was a moment in that, and I have to ask you guys if I was reading this, because if he kind of texted us, where I was like, Am I meant to believe that these super attractive gay men in their 30s, 
meet each other, hang out, do all this. And it is not until the neighbor says something about loafers <laughs> that Jonathan Bennett was like, oh, maybe he's gay. Was that? I, I, am I, did I that, read that wrong? Because I almost flipped a table. How did you know these were Rosini loafers? Like, it was like, is this the end of Legally Blonde? Did you just get the like pool boy to confess because he knew his last season's Prada? It, it took me a second to sort of like retroactively make that work. And what I think it's we're supposed to get is that a. Jonathan Bennett knew that neighbor guy existed because the sister told him about it, but the sister never said, oh, and he's gay because she didn't think there was any kind of relationship thing happening there. And maybe it's that thing of like, I'm such an urban gay that if I meet somebody who knows how to use like a socket wrench, clearly he cannot be a homosexual, you know? And, and so somehow the, he had to put those things together in his mind. But yeah, there's such immediate chemistry there and, and just the tiniest amount of gaydar, it seems like it would click away. <laughs> like, I don't have a full invite. I just have a day past the homosexual convention. But I definitely can tell you every time I have gone there or been anywhere in its vicinity, the assumption is every waiter, every whatever, like, oh, he's into me. Oh, that could happen. Like, so the, uh, the, uh, the reverse of it was the height of hilarity to, hilarity to me that he wouldn't automatically just be like... Oh yeah, this this gay neighbor's a gay neighbor. I just laughed so hard at that. Uh, yeah. Unexpected humor, always welcome. Yes. The piece I feel like that really jumped out to me, because it I'll be honest with you, it wasn't it wasn't my favorite of the Hallmark canon. But like not to sound like a jerk, but like my type is somebody that throws money at the problem. And so like <laughs> I respect that Jonathan Bennett was going to pay this exorbitant amount of money to hire this this next door gay to <laughs> handle all of the issues that are going yes. on in his life. But then I got really invested in the movie halfway through when I put the question in my mind that I'm going to present to you guys. Is this the plot of Pretty Woman? Like, <gasps> very much pared back, because obviously... Oh, yeah. You mean, is he, is the is the gay guy next door his beck and call girl? Yes. Kind yes. of, yeah, because there, there, there is this whole thing where, like, you know, they, they, they fall in love, and then the check comes out, and that ruins everything, and... You're you're onto something there, sir. I had not really thought about that. And yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to like you know beat the metaphor to death. But is the power lesbian Jason Alexander? Because it feels like <laughs> it feels like that might be the case. Justin, oh. most of them are. Yeah, most of honestly, most of them are. Yeah, I I had an interesting experience watching this because it aired the same weekend as. Uh, a Hallmark Movies and Mysteries film called uh, uh, The Gift of Peace, which is actually, you would be surprised to hear this, but like one of the first sort of overtly faith-based Hallmark movies, like apart from the terrible Godwink Christmas series, they generally, even back in the old days and even now in new Hallmark, they, they, they ride a very sort of soft middle in terms of maybe people go to church, maybe there's a choir, maybe whatever, but they don't really hammer God and prayer and religion, that kind of thing. But this one does. And so watching that movie as an atheist and watching this movie as a gay who does not want children, I'm like, all right, Hallmark, get off my back. Let me live my life, <laughs> will you? I mean, um, I, I, I agree with Justin, and this isn't necessarily like a, a barn burner of a movie, but what I think it's doing very wisely is 
because they are introducing this notion of a, a, a same-sex couple at the center of one of these Christmas movies for the first time, I think they've gone out of their way to make the rest of it as conventional Hallmark as possible. Mm. Uh, you know, the the city person and the, the 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 small town or suburban person. The you know, a lot of the arcs are familiar, and I think they're familiar so that people don't feel like they're having too many rugs pulled out from under them because there's no lady. You know, and so uh, I think that was intentional on their part. And I think it was a, probably a smart idea. Uh, and so, yeah, it doesn't necessarily leap to the top of my list of Hallmark movies, but I think it does what it does pretty well. It's also, it is made better. Like to compare and contrast against, we discussed, and Alonzo's going to need to remind me of the name unless if he really wants to surprise me, last year. Every uh, time a bell rings. No. Yeah. Was that, was that the, no, that was the sisters. Yes. I'm thinking of a different one that maybe Wait, I watched on my own. The Christmas House? Yeah. Thank you, Justin. Thank ah, you. Which was the last there time Justin go. was here. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. I had Justin Kirkland on the brain. But so this is, to me, better made than like the Christmas House. Like there's, mm. you know, there's a, uh, there was an easiness to this. As much as, like I said, there's this John Ritter cartoonness <laughs> to the performances, there was, um, uh, it felt more refined, like for production value or just sort of getting across things. Something it did share that I just think is smart going. These are two accomplished men, very out in their lives, very like everyone in the community knows they're gay. There's no, you know, and I did think, I, you know, one of the questions that Marissa thoughtfully put in here was, did it feel like it was a straight holiday film, but with two men swapped in? But one of the elements that I appreciated was that that wasn't the case, that we had already gotten this idea of like, why wouldn't you have told your brother that you like about the attractive single neighbor? And the just that idea of like, oh, yeah, no, I have a gay brother, but I am also living in 2022. So I'm not trying to hook up every gay person I know, which is like a thing from uh, any show from you know 2015 or whatever <laughs> and they do give Jonathan Meadow the the i think very relevant backstory for a lot of people's experiences this idea of there are you know there are curmudgeons like me who don't want a family because we're dead inside but there's also there are people <laughs> who maybe didn't think of themselves as being able to have a family because they grew up in an era in which they were told that you know they shouldn't be able to get married they shouldn't be able to have children you know there's always so much rhetoric and it's really revving up lately in fact about you know children and you know parenting and teaching and all that stuff that that the the you know the new fascism is trying to go after. So the the fact that his character is like, it's not that I don't want a family, it's that I never thought I could have one. I thought that was like, okay, so at least we're talking about a specific thing and this is not a conversation that like the lady from the city would have talking about a dude because she yeah. would not have that experience. You know? I personally love the scene where they did poppers in the bathroom during the child play. <laughs> I love the no. scene where they went on a date with, and then three other men showed up to have sex with them. That was great. Who, oh, no, who that, among us? That was bros. Iffy, you're um, a comedy professional. Do you did this? Yeah. Did this film satisfy the comedy part of rom com for you? Oh yeah, I mean, like definitely. I think it's like Alonzo was saying. Like this is a different beast that, like you know, uh, tackles comedy in different ways. Like this is. It's almost like. 
cartoon level because he like a lot of the big faces and emotions falling but I, down like i yeah inability fall, oh, to make man. pancakes i i will say and i'm gonna expose her uh here emily was the one who who i who kept fighting me on this i'm like these are this is a hallmark movie that's different and when he fell down she laughed and she i was like yeah <laughs> We got you. You thought you, thought you, you. We thought you thought you were better than the Hallmark movie, and then this fall happened, and now look at you. Now, <laughs> so good. So yeah, no, I've, I've, it was, it was cracking me up. It was also what was blowing me up uh, away, like how cute it was. Like it was a very cute Christmas movie, and I think it, uh, I think it's just like Alonzo was saying, really just hitting those Hallmark beats. And I was like, yeah, no, this I can, I can see some some mom, you know, in Montana just uh, sipping her wine, white wine with ice, and just watching this, and it's just like, okay, my sister lives maybe. upstate New York, <laughs> and she takes two ice cubes for her Pinot Grigio. I don't see what's wrong with that. Um, I'll say too, in in sort of getting to the end of this, uh, that they did also do a nice job with your sort of your B storyline, your C storyline. Like each of the kids had something they had to overcome and they were, especially with the, you know, there's an older boy who has a crush on the girl and, and it, it's another reason to throw the two guys together. It was smartly crafted in the sense of like, all right, well, we need some like ridiculous contrivance to make these guys <laughs> spend time together, but how do we keep it going from there? Right. And I thought all of that felt just nice. And then there were, Marissa has it um, discussed as non-traditional touches, um, which is great, which was the idea that the other connection that the the neighbor has with this couple is that he is looking at becoming a dad on his own and a sort of single dad adoption. And they're adopting their third kid. And all of these things are sort of, again, that matter of fact, like people build families in all sorts of ways. And isn't it just interesting how our world works rather than like, well, the cutting commentary, I'm sure the average Hallmark viewer is used. Yeah. No, I think, I think there's something so special about like all jokes aside, the way that this was put together, because like to go back to what Ify was saying there, the moment that got me and I was like, damn it. Like they pulled me in <laughs> was when Jonathan Bennett's character, I think uh, Sam, Sam, Sam was like my favorite part of Christmas was when we turned all the lights off except the Christmas tree. And you have this like very like sweet moment where everybody's together and like not everything not everything should be commentary because that's exhausting, but like this interaction that he had backstage with like the, the little boy. And he was like, she likes you. I don't know. There's just something like so sweet and approachable to that, that I think made makes the movie work even when it doesn't. And I think on top of that, like, you know, the, the timing of this is so great because we just endured the stupid Candace Cameron Bure Wall Street Journal interview about how over at that other network they were doing, you know, more traditional families. And like this shows you that you can plug in two dudes into an otherwise very familiar, very comfortable and and the you know what you're tuning in for when you tune in for a Hallmark movie and it doesn't undo the flow. It doesn't send it hurtling into the sun, you know. It absolutely is of a piece with the other 39 movies that the network is giving you this season. It does doesn't it it, it it does it, it fits into the same peg you know the peg fits in the hole like all the other ones do i want to give a quick shout out to ali liebert who is a, a an actress and who is queer who directed the film 
uh, who I, I think she really like gets the pacing right and and you know uh, just sort of the 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 whole the they you know I see a lot of town carnivals in these movies and this is definitely one of the better ones. Vote, 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 <laughs> vote, vote. Uh, yeah. So as you as you already know, Justin, but if you're just tuning in for the first time, the way we vote uh, for movies on this show is screen it being the highest, stream it being the middle point, and skip it being self-explanatory. So let's kick this vote off. Uh, I may screen it on the level of Hallmark movies again, like Drea says. This is a separate <laughs> a branch of criteria that we're dealing with here. But among Hallmark movies, I would say this is a screen it. Uh, this is for a movie that is sort of you know taking the 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 first long overdue leap into this territory for Hallmark. Uh, I think it's great. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, I really enjoyed. Uh, the, the lead performances, George Krissa, I think is pretty new to TV, but I think we'll be seeing more of him. Um, look, Jonathan Bennett is, is you know, like planted his flag with Hallmark. Lacey Chabert is the queen of Hallmark movies. Uh, Lindsay Lohan is making Christmas movies now for Netflix. Let's bring in Daniel Francesi and do a very mean girl's Christmas. Oh, yes. Do, wait, take, take that off the air, Marissa. I want to pitch that somewhere. <laughs> I'm making Jonathan Bennett eyes right now. <laughs> I would agree with Alonzo. This is under the uh, conventions of the what rubric. I'm looking at. Yes, exactly. For for a um, Hallmark Christmas rom-com, this would be a screen it for me. I think this was definitely more on par with like, I actually liked the central love story even more in this than Single All the Way, the Michael Yuri um, mm. one that we talked about previously. But um I, yeah, I found these two really charming, and I think Jonathan Bennett is just a very... He's one of those performers that I'm like, oh, you want to be a fun character actor. You're just stupidly handsome, and <laughs> I appreciate that in, in, in all sorts of people, and good for him, but I do. I think it's, it's well done and really charming and light and just exactly what I'm looking for if I'm turning on a movie like this. I would say I would say stream it if you have already watched like the Family Stone and like I think it's a uh, happy happiest season mm. for, by Clea Duvall. Like yeah. what I what I love about like the era that we're in is that there are there's now levels to like your queer holiday movie. <laughs> And yeah. like, I saw my first shit boring lifetime one of like, wow, equality. Yeah, like, so this is like, it's like, it's not quite there, but like, I wouldn't say skip it. I just wouldn't say prioritize it. So yeah, stream it. I think that's a fair thing. It's always good to remember everyone's votes on these. It's always dependent on their, the breadth of knowledge in that area. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I've seen a couple of these and this one was the best. Yeah. Yeah. All right, yeah. Iffy, what you about know, you? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm uh, definitely uh, screen it on your Hallmark screens, uh, as as everyone has put the qualifier on all of these votes. <laughs> uh, but you know, with that merry note, we'll be right back after we hear from another show from Maximum Fun. Hi everyone, I'm Anna McLeod. And I'm Alexis B. Preston. And we host a show called Comfort Creatures, the show for every animal lover, be it a creature of scales, six legs, fur, feathers, or fiction. 
Comfort Creatures is a show for people who prefer their friends to have paws instead of hands. Unless they are raccoon hands, that is okay. That is absolutely okay, yeah. Yes. Every Thursday, we will be talking to guests about their pets, learning about pets in history, art, and even fiction. Plus, we'll discover differences between pet ownership across the pond. It's going to be a hoot on Maximum Fun. Hi, everybody. My name is Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Dr. Sydney McElroy. That, that is true. It's important in this context because we host a medical history podcast called Sawbones. Oh, I thought we were going to. We shouldn't work on that. Sawbones. Sawbones isn't afraid to ask the hard-hitting questions. Like, are vaccines as safe and reliable as they want us to believe? Yes. Do I have to get a flu shot? Yes. Uh, okay. Is science a miracle? No. We have a lot of great history for you and a lot of laughs. And sometimes the history is so bad that there's no laughs. But you'll learn something. You'll feel something. And it's always Sawbones. That's right. Every week on MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, Ify Wideway. In the studio with me are Alonzo Duraldi, Justin Kirkland, Drea Clark. And today we have a double dose of holiday hotline calls for you today. Marissa, play that call. Hello to Ify Shakure, to Alonzo, to super producer Marissa, and to my liege, Her Majesty, Queen Andrea Clark. This is Jackson in Minneapolis, and I have a question about Christmas movies. Every year, my wife and I have always watched Little Women around this time of year. Uh, but there's a problem now, which is that her favorite version is the 1994 version where Claire Danes dies. But for the past few years, my favorite version has been the 2019 version where Laura Dern is your mom. And I'm not sure what the proper etiquette is here. I'm not sure if uh, the two movies should have a battle royale and duke it out and whichever one emerges uh, is the only one we watch. Should we alternate between them each year? Should we watch both every year? Who knows? Give me your thoughts. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Oh, Jackson. Wow. We probably, I probably babysat Jackson at some point. <laughs> How exciting. Um, also, big fan of denoting which little women you're watching by which one has the dead Beth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they've all got a dead Beth. Uh, <laughs> this is a tricky one. I mean, I, this is a very sort of subjective choice on people's part and uh i'm a big fan of both of these i think the the jillian armstrong version and the greta gerwig version are both great but then if you also come to me and you want you you're you're all about the george cukor version with katherine hepburn i'm you know not gonna tell you you're wrong i'm less into the june allison one but hey you know again this is super subjective oh and, that's if he's favorite so. no, no yeah. doubt oh, yeah definitely. oh His y'all guy. are all saying things don't he's, get if he started on june Ooh. allison oh, yeah. if, if oh. He, if he, when he hears margaret o'brien's in he's like i'm in that's my yeah, yeah you know look those women they little <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm with I'm with you, Alonzo. I think both of these are great, and it's actually a quandary I've had myself because um, one of my very well, definitely one of my favorite books. But there's two. I do not count the recent one with uh, Dakota Johnson. But there are two adaptations of Persuasion that I love very much. And when I try and figure out, like, oh, I'd like to revisit one of those. Every single time I end up watching them both back to back, which I never regret. <laughs> so I am of the don't choose little women, women's plural. 
Watch so many Little Women. Yeah, why not? Throw the other two in the pile. Why not? <laughs> you know, the, there's a BBC one from a couple of years ago with like Angela Lansbury in it. There's, yes. you know, there's a modern day one that I would maybe skip. The March Sisters at Christmas time. You so rarely get to say the word marmy. Like who wouldn't take more opportunities to work that into conversation? I mean, if, if I may quote Saoirse Ronan, women. Uh, that's it. That was, that was the quote. I'm completely here with Drea. I think that you you watch both of them uh, because I my favorite thing about like coming into my 30s and like getting kind of settled with the holidays is you create all the traditions that you want and like you throw out the ones that you don't. So make Little Women Night like a must do tradition and part of part of your holiday. Like settle up. Uh, start with one movie. Make sure someone in the room with you dies. And then continue with the second movie. At least one of you has to have consumption when you begin the night. Yes. If you've already yes. given that person a piano, yes. so much the better. Yes, 100%. And then you look at them when they're dying and you go, stop it. Stop it. You're being mean. Stop it. And then that's a, that's a deep cut for the 2019 version. I like it. Oh, what's um, our second call, Marissa? The second call is not a call at all. The second call is an email. Ah. Oh, I love an email because yeah, we, we might an get email. an amazing vocal performance from Mr. Wadaway. So, oh, oh yeah, <clears throat> edge of my seat because I already see where this one's coming yeah. from. <laughs> also, I want to shout out to Jackson for hitting that if you should right uh, mm-hmm. because you know I gotta say uh, not many people uh, have been have done it right. Also, accepting uh, now you know. Drea sat up here telling me, oh, if people in Minnesota heard me say, heard you say that I was the queen of the Midwest, don't you know, they, they'd be mad at me. And here comes Jackson saying, no, my liege. Jackson, you don't know how that's my Christmas gift. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. Your loyal uh, subjects in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all I need now is a seance uh, and um, <laughs> for Ebert to come back and be like, if he's right, uh, Alonzo is America's favorite critic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did so, not see where seance was going to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never disappoint if he... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's read this email. <clears throat> Hi, Ify, Drea. Alonzo, and guest, if there is one. I'm a huge fan of the podcast. I love your insights and your group's chemistry. Ify, I come from Ottawa, Ontario, the home of the Hallmark and Netflix Christmas movies. So allow that to influence whatever accent you want for my voice. Which you is know, Jamaican? <laughs> Which is Jeffrey Holder? <laughs> <laughs> this is a classic Ottawa accent. <laughs> Raise your hand if you're listening and all you picture is Sebastian the Crab. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, every Christmas season I devote a day to watch a, the Christmas episodes of Batman the Animated Series. You see, I start, I ended up here, but this isn't where I started. Christmas with Joker and the Holiday Nights. 
the Batman, the Brave and the Bold episodes, Invasion of the Secret Santa, Batman, Mask of the Phantasm, because it came out on Christmas Day 93, and Batman Returns, because it's a Christmas movie, something we have talked about, just stay tuned, do you annually watch anything at Christmas time that isn't traditionally Christmas oriented, thank you, I am Matt from Ottawa. Um, I've been to Ottawa, and yeah, I that's sadly, how they all sound, right? uh, almost identical. I thought yeah. I was transported back. Yeah, um, okay. I was if you sitting... find the one restaurant where they serve conch chowder, maybe. Yeah, I was having the conch chowder with my poutine, and that guy was sitting next to me. Um, I do like again the shout out to Batman Returns. We recently had the writer of that, Dan Waters, yes. on, um, yes. and I do like adding that to the mix. I absolutely have two movies that I love to watch around Christmas time that are not related to, but they both fit in so well. One is Bridget Jones' Diary, which ends at Christmas time. So, I I mean, of course, I defer to Alonzo. I wouldn't think of that as a Christmas movie. Well, I, I think Bridget Jones' Diary is arguably the movie that kickstarted the ugly Christmas sweater phenomenon. So, Ooh, okay. Because, yeah, he's got the, like, reindeer thing. I like yeah. that. Um, yeah, it starts in ends around sort of new year's christmas but it has it's just it's good like oh i'm off from work i'm sitting on the couch i have this movie memorized and it never disappoints even though every single time she jogs out into the snow at the end in her underwear and a cardigan i am furious because (laughs) no thank you i've met women and that would not happen (laughs) um and the other one has a christmas element of joy and magic and wonder and almost a childlike view on the world even in darkness and it's i love it so much it's my favorite movie amelie this is a great time of year to watch amelie and it has a red and green color scheme throughout even if it is not holiday related (laughs) so it seems especially fitting that way but yeah i love watching that well i also watch that in the summer but i do think it's fun if you have a couple of days off, those are like, that's a good one full of like, ooh, joy. And people aren't all garbage monsters, which are things I have to actively seek out at times. They're on post-its on your mirror. I know the feeling. <laughs> yes. uh, I, you know, I'm always so swamped with Christmas stuff that I need to see slash want to see around this time of year, whether it's new stuff or like my favorites that I want to, you know, pop into the, the old Blu-ray player again. I don't really have one, but I will say I am married to someone who almost never fails between on that week between Christmas and New Year's to uh, travel to the Alps of Salzburg and uh, do a little sound of music. So, um, yeah, that's for sure his yeah. jam. Solid. I, I don't have the annual uh, thing. You know, Carol Fest has been on hiatus for a bit, which was uh, an event where I have friends over and look at as many iterations of A Christmas Carol. And then wow. I would say Friday After Next, but those are an, a, yet another Christmas movie. Not yep. a Christmas Christmas movie. So I guess I'll, I'll just in your honor... I'm going to go ahead and watch Eyes Wide Shut for you. Uh, and, and, and <laughs> Also a Christmas movie, spirit. though. Yeah. It is a Christmas movie. <laughs> Justin, you got anything? Yeah. So, I mean, growing up, as you guys might have picked up from the lack of Laka intake, it's not like I was particularly <laughs> shrouded in Judaism. Uh, but I really feel like one of 
one of like the reasons that I was always fascinated with it was the Rugrats Hanukkah special. Oh, okay. Which Ooh. I do watch every single year. That and then come around Easter time, the Passover special, like Rugrats was doing it right. So uh, I'm pretty sure you can find it on YouTube. It's the Rugrats Hanukkah special. And it just was like, I don't know, it's just a really nice story. And if you're a Gentile surrounded by uh, people that don't know or racist, you can like, (laughs) you can, you can educate yourself enough to like get out and educate yourself better at a, at a library where they didn't ban that book. So. Check it out. Check it out on YouTube. Rugrats uh, Haunted Special. There, there's a theater in LA that shows Fiddler on the Roof every Christmas, which I, I admire. I think that the, the and, and apparently they pack them in. It's a sing-along. It's a whole thing. Ooh, okay. Well, dang, 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 dang. Thank you, Matt, from Ottawa. Hope you enjoyed that. Stellar. Uh, that was like firm and, um, you know, the same throughout. Like there was at no point which yeah. it, which it changed. So big ups zero, to me. Zero accent deviation. I'm sure yeah. he thought he was just sticking his head out the window and listening to folks on the street talk. Yeah. Oh, I'm very sure. But you know, did you know that 12 days of Christmas start on Christmas day? That means that there's still a ton of time to catch up on some of these seasonal movies. And Alonzo's about to tell you a whole bunch you can choose from. It's time for the Christmas movie minute. Alonzo, are you ready? Ready as I'll ever be. All right. Okay, so Christmas class reunion, uh, fun idea, cute cast, but they kind of bobble it and it sort of falls apart by the end. Uh, all I didn't want for Christmas, lots of fun. This is a VH1 movie starring the great Gabourey Sidibe, and uh, she actually learned some lessons along the way. It's very funny. Uh, it features uh, uh, Kel and um, uh, Loretta Devine, so uh, this one's make it part of your thing. Adult Swim Yule Log. It looks like a Yule Log, but no, it's a horror movie from the guy who made Too Many Cooks, and it's pretty creepy, although it tries to wrap its arms around some generational trauma that isn't really quite ready for. Uh, Holiday Heritage, a Hallmark's first Kwanzaa movie. Not thrilling, but I do admire the attempt, and it's always nice to see Holly Robinson beat. And finally, A Christmas to Treasure, which is the aforementioned shit-boring uh, queer Christmas movie that Lifetime did. Nice try, y'all. I'm glad that we're on a level playing field, but yawn. Come on, this guy. Wow. I had to write a top 10 list this week, and, you know, it's a lot of other December uh, stuff, so I didn't cram in quite as many as I would have liked, but, you know. No, but we still got that awesomely dismissive yawn, which is really (laughs) sold the whole thing. (laughs) <laughs> and look, I, I, I don't want to like shit on you know networks attempts to, to to include diversity i'm glad they made this movie but boy uh the the, the honeymoon is over as far as all of them being special <laughs> well look here's the thing there's a way to get some more of alonzo's christmas takes uh, maybe stuffing those stockings with one of the books so you better hurry up and grab a copy of i'll be home for christmas movies or have yourself a movie little christmas or there's always the digital edition which mm-hmm. you know if you're listening now on the 23rd and you're like ah ooh, guess what <laughs> you can always slip in a uh, a coupon code and they and, and then make them do the work uh, there you go uh, it's, <laughs> just stuff it in the stocking uh and let them be surprised uh but uh, Alonzo, anything you want to add before we uh, zip these doodah day? 
Oh, I, you know, I just, I think that is my that is my Christmas intake for the year, and it's been a doozy. But um, you know, uh, some some really, I, I again, I think new Hallmark post twenty twenty is turning into something really interesting. They are, you know, if you look at the old meme that would go around where it was all the red and green, red and green, red and green, like yeah, somebody yeah. somebody did a, a collage of this year's posters. Like they're not doing that anymore, and and I think that that's sort of a metaphor for everything because they're not just doing the same old same old there were two movies this year that didn't end with a kiss like you know there's a lot of uh attempts to sort of mix up not just representation and inclusion but also just different stories and different ways of telling stories and so you know the you know yes will there always be the busy urban lady who goes to her small town and rekindles with her hunky high school ex who has a pickup truck of course there will but are we going to get 40 of those no we're not and so i'm thrilled about that hell yeah we did it. You know, we made it to a time uh, where we don't get that. All right. Well, let's jump into it and say uh, and, and give our staff picks. It could be any movie at all. Who wants to kick it off? Oh, I will. Uh, this is as non-Christmasy as you can get, but it's really terrific. Uh, the new documentary, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, won Venice oh. this year. And it is about Nan Golden using her clout in the art world to take on the very powerful Sackler family, the, the people from Purdue Pharma who basically created the whole uh, opioid situation in this country, and uh, using sort of act-up style tactics to get museums to think twice about slapping the Sacklers' names on things and allowing them to sort of launder and philanthropize uh, their terrible image. And it's also about Nan Golden's life and her own struggles with drug abuse and why this particular uh, fight means so much to her. It's a riveting documentary. I highly recommend it from Laura Poitras. All the beauty in the bloodshed. I would second that. That's a solid one. I'll go right away, too, because I actually also have a documentary, which is not a, a rarity uh, mm. on this here podcast. Um, but I think it's something that might be nice to watch over the holiday season, though it has nothing to do with holidays. Uh, it's called Wildcat. It is in theaters right now um, as of December 21st and will be on Prime Video on December 30th. Um, and it follows a British veteran, a very young veteran, um, who is dealing with a lot of um, PTSD and mental illness aggravated by his time in the military. And he goes to the jungle and he ends up meeting this woman who's um, a scientist who runs sort of a, a wildlife rehab and an ocelot brings them together. And it is kind of amazing. It's a great story of um, these two people, especially this man who's on this journey of kind of healing um, their connection together. And then it's also just a solid wildlife uh, documentary, some, some really incredible footage. Um, but I found it very engaging and warm for the most part for all of the interesting question it asks. So Wildcat. I feel like if you're over the Christmas of it all, and you loved the women and little women, then you should watch Women Talking because Ooh. it has women talking. Mm -hmm. uh, but essentially, Women Talking is this movie that comes out, if I'm getting the date right, today, December 23rd. It comes out I think it comes out January 6th. Uh, New York and L.A. December thirty, December 23rd, though. Oh, I did that with our pre-recorded one for our January 6th episode, so I'm going to sound wrong. Continue. We'll, we'll I mean, have you got, correct the thing now. Yeah. We've got, we've got, you can watch women talking all across the country at different dates, but it's, yeah. uh, it's an incredible story about these women who are reconciling. They're in this kind of like, 
uh, isolated religious community and they're really reconciling their faith as it applies to these assaults that have happened within the community. And it's just, I love a, a good like theatrical production that's put to screen well. And I feel like that's what happens here. And it, I don't feel like when I watched it that it answered the question that I wanted it to answer for me, which means that it left me with it. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a really impactful, uh, it's a really impactful film that maybe you shouldn't watch, you know, the day before Christmas, but the day at boxing day, hell yeah, go for it. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, it's a fun fact. I've been getting all the screener invites for that. And I just thought it was like a, a like a conversation like like you know like like women talking because it was it was all these film stuff i was like oh cool it's gonna be like you know women speaking about stuff and then i saw the trailer i was like oh oh i could go see this is a movie <laughs> got it okay I'm, I'm, i should probably go see who's that. on first yeah yeah <laughs> i do like the idea of a generic round table just called well, women it's, talking it's, it's women talking yeah yeah women dot, talk. dot, dot. yeah <laughs> finally women talking Men, sit down, <laughs> shut up. Uh, yeah, you know, um, you, you know, in the heat of it all, I'm going to have to do a softball, easy Christmas movie uh, um, uh, staff pick, uh, which is going to be uh, the 1988 hit Die Hard. Uh, go ahead and watch that. Go ahead and be the funniest guy at your office Christmas party. Uh, <laughs> God, I didn't have to be so mean. And yet I was. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Um, big thanks to Justin Kirkland. Hey. Where can people find you and your work? You can find me uh, everywhere at Justin Kirkland Four. Uh, I'm freelancing, uh, and you'll find all that work when you visit at Justin Kirkland Four Instagram, Twitter, uh, OnlyFans. Just kidding, unless I need it. <laughs> uh, yeah. And you're doing a Yellowstone podcast, are you not? Yes. Oh, my gosh. I completely forgot. Daniel Thompson and I are doing a Yellowstone weekly uh, recap podcast called John Dutton Must Die. Uh, and it's it's been a, it's been a lot of fun. We take bets every week if John Dutton will die. And so far he hasn't because that's the titular character. Or I guess not titular because Yellowstone, that's not his name. But you get what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's the, the guy. Yeah, he's he's the he's the Costner. So yeah, he's yellowing the stuff. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Joy and Alonzo, thank you for another wonderful show. Uh, uh, happy holidays to you, the listener from uh, you know uh, all of our online moves uh, across the land, uh, or you know, Merry Christmas, uh, Happy Kwanzaa. Happy uh, um, uh, Hanukkah, uh, you know, any uh, solstice, shout out to that. You know, all of it, you know. A- any they, Saturnalia fans out there. Yeah, Saturn, have a great yeah, yeah. yeah if you, anything you do, uh, as long, look, just uh, have a good time. Uh, it's been a wild year. You deserve to relax, kick your feet up, and uh, not think about uh, life for 10 seconds. Or at least Elon Musk's fucked up hairline. Uh, <laughs> if you have a comment or suggestion about this week's show, tweet at us at maximum underscore film. Our Facebook group can be found at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash maximum film or send us an email at maximum film at maximum fun.org. Or then you can send your voice memos there whenever you want to send us a hotline call. Our producer is Marissa Flaxbart. Our senior producer is Laura Swisher. And this is a production of Maximum Fun. Yay.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.